Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Life and Limb podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. This is episode 13. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate having you here. I appreciate you listening to the show. The music at the beginning, as usual, is the song Life and Limb by Fugazi. So thank you, as always, to Ian Mackay and Fugazi for permission uh, to use that song. Um, today, this is, uh, let's see, it's been a couple weeks, um, been kind of more intermittent lately with episodes, um, just kind of what happens when I get busy and scheduling becomes a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, I haven't, you know, I never forget about, uh, <laughs> recording episodes, just kind of fall a little bit behind, uh, the frequency that I'd like, but, uh, Hey, it happens. What can you do? Today, I am joined, uh, by a friend of mine, a uh, friend, uh, we should have a new word, I think for, uh, for people that you know on the internet for a long time, but you've never actually met in person, um, or simply just changed the definition of friend. I don't, I don't know, but Justin Maller and I, uh, have known each other for, uh, probably 12 years and counting now, uh, since, since I was in high school and, and probably since he was in high school as well. And he's, uh, on the other side of the planet. And, uh, when he was living in Australia, which is where he's from. So my first Australian guest on the show, and uh, yeah, so Justin is a really talented artist, designer, um, and he, yeah, he and I have known each other for quite a long time. Um, we met on a site called DeviantArt.com, um, which is still uh, up and running today, although neither, well, I, I don't use it anymore. It's been years since I've uh, used that site, but early on in early 2000s, you know, pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, pre Instagram, pre-blog, everything else, you know, 2001. Um, it really was ahead of its time, the sort of instant gratification of posting stuff online and getting immediate feedback from some sort of a community. And uh, Justin and I kind of found each other on there and, and just have sort of been in touch uh, ever since. And uh, so, yeah, it was really good to talk to him. I think it was actually the first time we actually spoke, even though we've talked a whole lot, you know, online over the years. It might have been the first time we actually uh, talked for real, and uh, it was really, really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed having him on the show, and uh, it's been kind of a long time coming to have a conversation like this with him, uh, just all about his life and work and uh, upbringing in Australia and then coming over to the States and uh, all the way up to the you know recent work he's been doing lately. And yeah, he's great. So thank you again for uh, checking this show out. Uh, if you don't subscribe on iTunes, uh, it's on iTunes. So just search Life and Limb on there, or you can follow the link from the website, which is lifeandlimb.com. Uh, you can follow uh, the Life and Limb Twitter at Life and Limb. And uh, I think that's it. So uh, yeah, my uh, conversation with Justin Maller here on Life and Limb. Please enjoy. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? I am joined today by Justin Mahler. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know what? I just said Justin. I was going to say Mahler, and then I wanted Mahler, and then I realized I just should have asked you yeah, that two a- seconds ago when we were talking. <laughs> the second. Yeah, Mahler. The second one. All right. So what a great way to start <laughs> an interview. <laughs> yeah. This is also the first uh, real proper uh, good accent I've had on Life and Limb here. Well, you know, I, I do like to represent my small minority of convict fellows. <laughs> and where are you from exactly? I'm from Melbourne, so down south. Okay. Well, to Which get- is like the opposite. <laughs> the further north you go, the crazier and hotter it gets and the people correspond with that. Yeah. All right. 
So to really take advantage of the fact that you have a wonderful accent, I have a 20 questions prepared for you that we're going to just kick this one off with. Now, oh, I've, I've only done one other 20 questions before, and it's kind of my favorite way to start an interview. We're just going to get right into a whole bunch of random stuff, um, and then we'll really get into you know, the, the other stuff. But we'll, we'll spend a little time just doing some quick Q&A or some quick 20 questions right off the bat here. All right. Hit, hit All, me right. With it. All right. Right off the bat. Number one, better food, New York or Australia? Uh, Australia. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Um, number two, your favorite American city besides New York? There's others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really like San Francisco as well. Uh, good choice. All right. I know you grew up loving basketball and you still do. Who is mm-hmm. your favorite NBA player as a kid, and who is your favorite NBA player currently playing? Ooh, tough question. Uh, I loved Sean Kemp when I was a kid, Larry <laughs> Johnson. Great answer. I just love those guys. Yeah. Uh, and now, I don't know, man. If you if you asked me this last season, the answer would have been J.R. Smith. Just because. Uh, what? Yeah, man, because anytime he steps on the court, anything could happen. That's true. Fair enough. Is, is L- he going L- L- to check in riding a horse? You know, is he going to wear the other team's uniform? You don't know. All right, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, last season, fair enough. He's sixth man of the year. This season, eh, you know, but okay. Oh, that's fair. I'm not going to take away from that. Well, uh, you, no, you, you, you can, oh, can you hear me? Yes. Well, damn, we were doing real good then. <laughs> that's all right. Um, so, okay, so uh, this season then. Some oh, this season. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to go with Kyle Lowry just because oh. of what a great boost he's given my fantasy team out of nowhere. Yeah. I got him off on the wire, and he's really come through. For me. What great answers. Oh, I love it. Um, I was just expecting, <laughs> you know, well, I, I shouldn't say this. I wasn't expecting this at all. I, but I did kind of think of Michael Jordan just because a lot of people growing up loving the NBA, especially in other countries, he was the ambassador for it all. So to hear yeah. Larry Johnson, oh, my goodness. Um, I, I love it. The, the thing that really got me into basketball, I mean, I played it since I was a kid, but what I loved was, um, you know, Slam Magazine. Yep. And it was huge for me because it made me realize that there were sort of people behind the athletes. They used to write these like really big in-depth exposés. And I really liked reading stories about people who seemed like people and had a personality and weren't just, you know, the manufactured answers. Right. Yeah. And you know, loving Jordan was too easy. Everyone loved Jordan. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Chicago and I love Jordan, but I think collecting cards was sort of the equivalent of your Slam Magazine thing for me. I mean, you collect cards, you get to know so many players. And now as an adult, you know, I play fantasy stuff like football and basketball. And that's my version of as a kid, like loving sports, but getting to know other players instead of collecting cards, which seems like kind of a dead thing now. But uh, cool. I mean, on both points, I've got every single Anthony Hardaway rookie card, like every single one. And... Yeah, fantasy sport is absolutely the best way to get to know every well offensive player. Yeah, all right. So, so this yeah. is this is a perfect segue for my next question. What is your fantasy basketball team name? Oh, <laughs> uh, we are the Blair Gowry Ghostbusters. What is the the Blow Gow? What is it? Blair Gowry is uh, a beachside town in Australia. Okay. Uh, last time I was back there, me and my mates went down there and had like a, a blokes weekend away. Nice. Uh, doing, doing lots of fantasy and whatever. Uh, cool. Yeah, the Ghostbusters thing's kind of an off-color joke from that, but <laughs> let's right. leave that there. Cool. All <laughs> right, number number five. 
summer or winter? And I know it's a bad time to ask that because we're right at kind of the tail end of winter, but... Yeah, man. Look, usually I would say winter as well, but after the one we just had here, I can't deal with this. It's been pretty shitty, right? Oh, man. Like, Australia, we get winter and everything, and it gets, especially in Melbourne, it gets pretty cold. Yeah. Like, I town sort of 40s, even mid-30s and whatever, but this has been brutal. This is like living in the Arctic Circle. This has been... I mean, you know, you probably think I'm soft being here in Chicago and I'm just dealing with New York, but it's been really miserable no, for it, a long No, it's been really bad. It's been really bad. In, in Chicago, it's been the worst one in 30 years, and I'm not 30 yet, so it is qualified <laughs> as the worst winter of my life. And I would say that anybody who wants to complain is pretty justified this year uh, in doing so. So yeah. no worries. <laughs> yeah. um, so, all right. That's yeah. I thought that was kind of a weird one to ask, given the timing um, and everything. But all right, yeah, it's, it's hard coming out, man. I've been in New York four and a half years, and yeah. I would say that between the summers we get here and the winters get here, there've been like I don't know fourteen days that were pleasant. <laughs> it's years. either it's either like ninety nine degrees <laughs> or like negative seven. You know, I mean, so yeah. Man. It's actually Absolutely. really beautiful in Chicago today. I rode my I rode my bike in a t shirt this morning, and it was really awesome. Uh, not gonna lie. All right. So uh, next thing, uh, speaking of uh, time, I suppose, uh, when do you generally find yourself most creative? Uh, early morning, during the day, or late at night? Night. Night. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even bother trying to make stuff in the morning anymore. I'm actually usually like, really good in the morning and at night, and like during the day is when I have a hard time. <laughs> well, I just sort of give myself like the morning. You know, I walk. Frank, our dog, and do chores around the house and answer email and just do whatever, you know, procrastinating I plan to do for the day. And then after lunch is sort of when I'll try to get into the, the groove of it. Sure. I've just I've just written the morning off. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't try to make myself. It's good to uh, just admit stuff like that to yourself because you just kind of know who you are and what you're like. And then eventually, <laughs> if you, you, I feel like yeah. I find myself uh, making myself guilty sometimes like, oh, I didn't work in the morning. How that's so bad. But uh, well, what if I stay until two in the morning? Like most people don't do that, you know, who, who work a regular, a regular job. So you got to give yourself a break every now and then. No, I just make pace with it. It's, yeah. you know, drive yourself nuts otherwise. Right. Um, okay. Uh, so what is your, uh, let's see, what, what number are we on here? One, two, three, four, five, six. This is number seven. What are uh, three websites that you visit every single day without fail? Uh, b- besides like Twitter and social media type stuff. Sure. Okay. Um, Grandland, I read that every day. Uh, Penny Arcade, even though they don't release every day, I still see what's going on there. And I don't know. What else? I didn't know there were websites that weren't social media anymore. I know. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, whatever fantasy sport is in season would probably be the other one. I mean, I've always got the depth core artist uh, portal open as Uh well. Yeah. So there you go. That's cool. Perfect. That's four <laughs> above and beyond. All right. Uh, what is the, uh, what's the last, well, I don't know how to phrase this question cause I wanted to ask a more specific way, but, um, uh, what is the, what is your most played album recently? Now what I was going to do, but I realized I don't even really use iTunes anymore. And I think a lot of people are starting to less and less is one of my favorite things to do to really put someone on the spot is to open iTunes, sort it by most played. And then you got to name like the top five songs. Cause there's uh, always something super embarrassing up on no, there. No, 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 no. I, I want to do that. I want to do that. Do that I, then. All right. I got it. Uh, uh, plays and you might have to right click and and uh, make most played like a viewable top uh, column. No, no, I got it. Okay, 
All right, number one, this is a weird one. I wouldn't have expected this, is um, Stilo by The Gorillas. Okay. I, I really liked that song when it came out, so I think I might have stacked a solid 60 listens on like on the first day. So I feel like that's rating higher than it should. That's okay, though. There's no shame there. It's not like Celine Dion or you know, just some random embarrassing song you listen to a lot. That's all right. I gotta tell you, I'm pretty happy with this top five. Uh, number two is "Miss You" by the Rolling Stones. Okay. So number, th- yeah, yeah, right. Number three is "Breathe" by the Hilltop Hoods, which none of you—that's an Australian hip hop group that I like a lot. Four is "Life's a Bitch" by Nas, and five is "Down in Mexico" by the Coasters. That's a solid top five, I have to say. That's yeah. a on the spot, sorted I- by most played. You've you've evaded uh, embarrassment there. No, well done. Uh, Let me know when you're back. I think we had a drop. Yeah. What's that? I think we dropped out for a second there. I, I missed it. Oh, no. I just said, uh, <laughs> I think, well, people will hear it. It's all good. You didn't hear, but I, I was just complimenting you on your top five. <laughs> We're having some, so just so people know, two quick things. A, and we'll talk about this in a minute, Justin and I have quote unquote known each other for at least 12 years, yeah. uh, maybe a little more. Um uh, on the internet through over like we've known you know just through various things we'll again we'll get to in a little bit and then you would think at some point we also have uh we also share the same project manager um here in chicago right um yeah and we've never actually spoken before which i kind of feel like we probably have at some point and i'm just forgetting but there's a good chance we haven't so uh i really don't i, I don't know I don't remember ever being so taken by a voice, so I, I guess probably not. Um, <laughs> all right, next question. Number, uh, I don't know what number, who cares? It, there's 20 here, so. Um, okay. What's the best live show you've ever seen um, since moving to to the States? Ooh, uh, Black Keys Central Park. Nice. nice. Yeah. Saw them a couple of years ago in uh, Grand Rapids. A little different than Central Park, but still. I actually saw them at Madison Square Garden as well, and the Central Park show was way better. Dude, yeah, I would imagine. I mean, Madison Square Garden's amazing, but I bet. I mean, that was an, I, the Central Park show. What was the setup like? What was the vibe? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was pretty mellow. It was like a summer's day outside. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a scene, man. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, um, kind of last. I think. I think this is the last work sort of related question I have here. What is your worst working habit? I procrastinate a lot. Yeah. You know, six clicks in Photoshop. Okay. I've earned, you know, a quick scroll through whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> it's sometimes I, I, I downloaded this app once called freedom that just sort of disconnects you from the internet for a set amount of time. And that was a really good thing. That sort of helped me to, to break that. But yeah, just general, it's not really a great answer, but that, that's my worst work habit for sure is just like putting off getting into the swing of things. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. You okay. know how in the flow and you, you, you're committed to it, it, like the time goes by quickly and the work comes out yeah. nicely. But getting into that, I sort of shoot myself from the foot a right. bit sometimes. Well, and it's funny how we negotiate with ourselves, you know, like you said, uh, oh, well, six, you know, I mean, some amount of time in Photoshop or, oh, well, I did this one thing I needed to do anyway, save a file and upload it. You know, like, oh, I've earned a half an hour off. (laughs) Uh, Very spoiled. Okay. Um, Do you collect anything? And if so, what is it? Well, not anymore. Since I moved to New York, you know, space is at such a premium in the apartment that collecting stuff is is difficult. 
Um, but in Australia, I did have a very, well, a reasonable collection of um, sneakers. I was pretty into that for a hot minute. And so I had 50, 60 pairs of you know, SBs and Jordans and whatever nice. that are all at my mom's house somewhere. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, would you rather – okay, now I got a couple, uh, you know, A or Bs. Bike, uh, going for a run, going for a bike ride. Uh, a run. Okay. Sushi or pizza? Oh, Jesus. What are you doing to me, Chuck? I know. Uh, sushi. All right. If you were in Chicago, you would have said pizza. <laughs> um, Probably. Oh, God, I love pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, best favorite. Uh, wait, no, no, no. I'm not there yet. Okay, wait. Soccer. So, like, uh, regular, like, uh, what people, the rest of the world knows is football or no. NFL, American what football. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely American football. I love American football. And Jeez, I man. Stuff. You are happily surprising me here. Um, <laughs> and I'm probably losing some people along the way with a few, you know, being excited about that. But, uh, all right. What's your dog's name and what other dog names did you consider for your dog? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because before we got in, like Ting and I had like sort of decided his name was going to be Ruben. Okay. That was like, the name we had picked out, but we got him and he just wasn't one. So I think our final shortlist was, um, Ollie, uh, Charlie and Frank. And we went with Frank. Okay. Should have gone with Charlie, but Frank's cool. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Because <laughs> you could have called him I Chuck. I forget his name is actually Charles. That's it's a weird thing to think of. Charles Anderson. I know. Yeah. Or, or naming a dog that. Very human name. Uh, no, I, like that. I like that, though. You, yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the dog park every day. You wouldn't believe how many Brooklyns I run into. And every time I just roll my eyes so hard. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, doing good here. We're we're gonna pack this in. I always try and do, I, they've done this again. This is the second time doing this, and the first one went almost exactly twenty minutes. I think we'll come in just under that, which is great. Okay. Um, what uh, what is your favorite New York activity? If someone's coming to visit you in New York for a weekend, um, give me let's say like three or four things that you take them to places, museums, parks, activities, whatever it may be a day in New Jersey, whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jersey's <laughs> high. <interest. laughs> um, all right. What do we do? I don't know. Look, 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 most people who are coming out here from Australia are probably coming. They stay in Manhattan because they don't know any better. And so they come out here and I'll take them for brunch at five leaves, which is our favorite sort of brunch spot. Then we just generally sort of do a stroll around Williamsburg, like have a look at like the cool street art that's in a, a few places. There's some great pieces that are up, um, you know, see the shops and the sites and go down the waterfront so they can get some pictures of Manhattan. There's a great park down there. And then, I don't know. I mean, a lot of what I would just do regularly with friends, a lot of bars and dinner and, you know, for me, like the food and the drinking is a big part of, of what, makes New York, New York. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm so rarely going into the city as well. I'm like, I'm here in Brooklyn and I just basically never leave our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like a, a weird <laughs> No, that's, it's all good, man. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you too on the bars and restaurants and just kind of chilling out and relaxing and doing what you normally do when, when people come around. I mean, that's, if that's what you normally do, that's what you should take them to. And, um, you know, but, uh, exactly. all right. What's, is your 
Well, actually, no, here, let me do this one. You, you are, you just go by your name, uh, yeah. as far as work and everything. You don't have like, like I have Chuck Anderson, but I've created sort of this convoluted thing now, you know, a lot of people do. It's not like just me or anything, but having no pattern. And so, you know, it's kind of like a twofold thing. Did you ever consider a, like a studio name for yourself? And if so, do you remember what, or have you toyed around with the idea of doing that? Yeah, you're asking that because you remember very well that I had the worst studio name of all time a few years ago. And I know that's why you're doing that. <laughs> well, the, what, like uh, wait, the DeviantArt stuff? We're going to gloss over that one. Wait, the DeviantArt uh, one way back? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the original one back when you were Skyfire, oh, dude, I was equal. No, 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 no. You know what? To be honest with you, I'm not, I, I, no joke. I compl- like, it took me a minute to even recoup that. I thought you were referring to the DeviantArt name you used, but between then and just going under your name now, you had it under, what was it? Was it Super Lover? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was what I was trying to gloss over. It's fine. No, there's no glossing over anything, man. This is candid. We're open books. <laughs> I no joke. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I didn't ask that to try and get at that. I had honestly forgotten about that. Um, yeah, that was a poor decision. Like basically, I was trying to get my first portfolio up, and I just more or less went with the song that I was listening to at the time, which was a track called "Super Lover" by Dead Mouse, actually, when he was still in Deathcore. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really liked that song, and I just went with it with. That really thinking about what a like sort of egotistical dickhead name it would come <laughs> off as. So I've sort of taken some strides to distance myself from that. That was a, a really poor choice. I no, only really had a couple of years. No, full disclosure, I like literally had forgotten about that when I wrote that question down because I was thinking about way back to like DeviantArt days and all that yeah. stuff. So my bad, but hey, again, <laughs> you know, this is a safe place. Well, there's That's only cool. like whoever listens to this, uh, maybe, you know, that uh, will know this. All right. Three more. Um, who's your favorite person to follow on Instagram? Oh. Who's like photos pop up and you're like, ah, man. Whether it's like their work or their life or just whatever. Like, All right, all right. I got, I got, there's too many answers to that, man. I know. Right. Look, if you want just photos, probably Trash Man. I just love his stuff, which is why I'm so stoked up. I'm doing some stuff with him at the moment. That's Trash Hand, by the um, way, at then, Trash Hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, and every time I see uh, Andrea Wong, she's an illustrator. Every time her stuff comes up, I'm just like, oh, god damn, that's ridiculously good. Um, and Tristan Eaton as well has been killing it lately. He's a muralist. Um, he's been posting all. He seems incredibly prolific for how immense his work is. His work is like several stories high, and he's always posting up fresh pieces. I don't know how he finds the time. Cool. All right. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. All right. Um, two more real quick. Least favorite interview question. Uh, what was that website that you used to have that you don't want to talk about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> nah, no, 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 that, that's actually not true. It's, um, I have two and I can't stand them and I get them all the time. And it's what, uh, what's your inspiration? Yep. Um, what inspires you and what tools do you use? Yeah. And, I just I hate both questions because I think they're I just think they're so redundant and people put such a premium on them and put so much emphasis on them and they're so utterly unimportant and non-transferable in a way as well because the stuff that interests me is what inspires me. But why would that? It, it doesn't help anyone, you know. Right, yeah, and I, the t- tools that 
grinds my gears. Because like you, you did a tweet about it that I just like want to print and frame that people make such a big deal about the tools that people use are like discounting the fact that ultimately it's their hands and brains that make the work. Right. You know? I think you know there's uh, so I, and I'm with you. Been a lot of me wanting to start this podcast had a lot to do with a, a bit of a response to those types of over and over again questions to the types of people that I've now had on the show a lot. And, and again, I think there's, you know, maybe a lot of times the people who are conducting the interviews mean well, but it's not something that they do for a living. Like they have another main task, but they also happen to do some interviews. Um, and I feel like when you're talking to a creative person, um, asking what inspiration was, uh, feels like a necessary question to ask. Um, or it feels like it's going yeah. to uh, sort of elicit um, an intelligent response that will um, then let people hear what inspires them so that they may can, could possibly go be inspired by the same things or something. And then the tools, it's the same kind of thing. And I, I think there is like a, a well-meaning to those questions. Like there really is. But again, like you said, at the end of the day, I don't know. I, th- I think that they are the most a- two most asked questions, but I'm not sure the two most helpful questions um, generally. So... Anyways, we didn't have to get onto that so much, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, and uh, last but not least, um, can you, do you have any other accents that you pull out every now and then, like when you don't want to be, you know, stick out, you know, or do you not feel like you stick out? Because you feel like I feel like you stick out right now. My only Australian accent so far, and do you know it's pretty the, awesome so far? The, the only t- the only time when I'll bust it out is if I'm on the phone dealing with like a utilities company or something and then I'll like just do a terrible American accent so they can understand me a bit better. You don't, uh, you don't look at my podcast as a utility company, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I haven't given you my like generic. <laughs> you know what's funny is my American accent is very similar to like a black guy imitating a white guy accent. <laughs> that's like, when, fair <laughs> enough. Like that's... You know, that's how I do my white American accent. Yeah. Is I just, you know. Hey, dude. Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, man. All right. That's uh, that's that. That's the 20 questions I got for you. So there we go. Just packed a lot in. Um, I like doing that. It's fun. It's uh, yeah. I, I would try and do that with, with everybody maybe. But um, All right. So let's... Now that we've gotten all that stuff out of the way and a lot of sort of random information out of the way, um, let's yeah. backtrack a lot. So you're in New York now, but you've not always been in New York. And like you said in the beginning, you're originally from Australia. Um, so I'm curious uh, because, you know, I feel like I when I when I meet someone, let's say, who was born and raised in New York or born and raised in Texas or California, you know, there's differences between our states and the cultures and, and kind of what we grew up around, but you know, it's still American. Um, and I feel like Australia is a very relatable country with America. It's culturally and, um, you know, both with pop culture things and just general, I don't know, like whether it's food or whatever, I I do feel like there are probably, uh, more things in common than not, but it still is a, a different, let alone, I should say country continent altogether. So, Tell me about your childhood there as it relates to kind of who you are today and your creativity and everything. Like, what did you grow up with school-wise? Um, and, and when did you start sort of uh, exploring your, your creative side? Um, again, uh, specifically as it maybe relates to um, your, your upbringing in Australia, as you know, uh, that might relate to someone who's being raised in, say, New York or Chicago or anything like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's actually it's a harder question to answer than you think because I lack the 
perspective of what it would be like to grow up here as a, as a reference point to contrast, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, like, it, it, it's super easy for me to talk about, you know, when I started being creative and the various outlets it had and whatever, but how that pertains to being, like, Australian and growing up in Australia, I, I don't know I don't know how to how to tie the two together, to Yeah, be no, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, I mean, and what, what you're saying is right. I think Australia and America have a lot of uh, cultural parallels. I think there's certainly more similarities than differences, and especially when it comes to pop culture. I mean, Australia has its own pop culture stuff as well that we all know, but, again, the, the, the majority of movies and global pop culture was from America and is very relatable for us. So I think Australian pop culture and the culture I grew up in was an interesting sort of hybrid of, you know, Australian, Australiana and Americana. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but definitely, it definitely made moving here not that challenging things that, you know, I've seen all the same stuff and watched all the same, heard all the same, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, growing up in Australia was great. It was a lovely, fun, safe place, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what, what was your, uh, what was your, uh, as a kid? So again, we can kind of get off the Australia thing, but what, what was your, uh, sort of, you know, what age did you start to feel like you were a creative type person? Um, or was there a different pursuit for you for a while there, uh, until that came maybe later? I don't, you know, everybody's kind of different sort of path that they took to get to, to this point. Yeah. Well, I started doing a lot of writing and stuff when I was, um, in primary school. So when I was like, you know, nine and ten and whatever I was doing a lot of like extracurricular writing and programs for that sort of stuff out of school uh, and I got a little bit older and started doing a lot of acting and all that kind of stuff um I was I was pretty bright when I was a kid it, it faded as I got older but when I was when I was younger I was I was a fair way ahead of the other kids who were in my class and whatever and my mom didn't want to skip me so I'd do all of the the coursework everyone else did and then go off and then have like other little writing programs set up for me and a few of the other kids so I did like a lot of a lot of stuff like that, and I until basically my last year of high school assumed I was going to be a writer or an actor or something like that, um, because that was what I put all of my time and effort into. And it wasn't until my very last year of high school when I got, uh, you know, I found DeviantArt and started really getting into my copy of photo, Photoshop Four that I realized that I, I enjoyed visual art as well. I was a super late bloomer with that. Sure, was there something else uh, that you had? I mean, I mean, yeah, like you stumbled into uh, finding some things like, you know, you said DeviantArt and, and Photoshop and everything. Was there something else that you were right on the cusp of really pursuing? I mean, you mentioned maybe like acting or, you know, whatever. But was there anything else that like, wow, I mean, your life could be very, very different right now? Or was it all it's, sort of like the general end of high school? I'm kind of trying everything. It's hard to say because I like in, in Australia, when you go to university, it's different to America. Here, you go to university and you, you take a few electives and a few subjects and whatever, and you sort of work out what your major is a couple of years in, right? Sure, right. Right. In Australia, you select your major and apply for that major before you even go to a university. So you're not picking a school so much as you're picking a program within a school from the outset. Okay. Um, and like transferring or changing from that is more difficult, much more difficult than it is in America. So anyway, I enrolled to do uh, a Bachelor of Creative Arts, uh, which was writing and acting and film history and theatre history and all that sort of stuff. So I don't really know what I saw myself doing professionally coming out of that because that qualified me to work at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Yeah, like there was, there's not a lot of valuable life skills that were coming out of there. I don't know. I guess 
if if digital art hadn't worked out, I honestly have no idea what I'd be doing now. Right. I have to figure it's going to be academia or something like that because there's not a lot of other practical applications for that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, yeah. you know, again, it's an easy sort of interview question like, Oh, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Um, and I, you know, I think that's a hard thing to answer. I think it's, you know, for, for me, I I'd sort of, sort of can feel that out from just the other hobbies people have, but sometimes those hobbies, like you said, I mean, they're, they don't qualify you for another career. And so there almost is no answer a lot of times for that, that type of question. There is no easy, like, well, I, I would just be this. I mean, yeah. there was no other life for me. It was, yeah. this was it. It really isn't. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that introduction to deviant art, uh, which which is actually where you and I met um, originally. So uh, you know, for me, deviant art was a site that I found in high school. Um, you know, when I first started getting access to the internet at home and you know computers at school and everything. I don't even remember how I found it, but it didn't take long. I mean, you don't, especially the internet was much smaller in I don't know 2001. Um, and it was just quicker to find stuff. Like you just found stuff a lot easier if you, um, once you, I mean, once it was hard to originally find it, but once you did, it was like, well, this is all there is. There weren't a whole lot of other options. Um, and so DeviantArt basically at the time was a much smaller community than it is now in a much different type of community altogether. Um, yeah, it was really this kind of tight knit thing. And, you know, once you went on there and you'd upload your work, things that you were doing and you'd get comments and it's very much like Instagram, you know, or Tumblr or whatever before those things were around. I mean, DeviantArt was a really... Oh, you there? You there? Dude? Hello? Hey, there we go. Sorry. I think we dropped you for a second. It's okay. We didn't miss much. Um Where was I? Oh, just basically saying about DeviantArt, just having, you know... uh been a really important thing, especially in the early 2000s for anybody who was just kind of discovering um, digital art. So how did you find it? And what was your sort of introduction to that? And and what what grabbed you about it? I remember specifically how I found it, actually. Um, I was on a good friend of mine now, George Smith's uh, End Effect. Um, and I was just sort of looking through his work. And I just... I. I, I loved it. And I looked at his FAQ and it was like, you know, don't ask me any questions about how I make it. Go and join DeviantArt. That's how you'll learn. Mm-hmm. So I like clicked through and started an account on June 3rd, 2001. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're right. I mean, it was a much, the internet was a much smaller place and the digital art scene was a way smaller place. Right. And it was sort of, it was cool in a way because it was super easy to keep track of where digital art was as a whatever you want to call it as a movement as a scene as a community as a medium whatever you know like you could basically see most of it just by trolling deviantart sure what Um, what day did you say by the way you joined june 3rd 2001 okay so you came a few months uh, ahead of me i i was i joined on uh, december 17th 2001 um, which hey. my pro, <laughs> you mentioned it once, but I'm going to try and mask it now too. Cause I've never even talked about that or like linked back to it or whatever. I'm not even sure I can even find my password to log in, but I mean, it's crazy. Like I joined that in 2001, which mean I was, I had been 16 for a few months. And again, you just think about the internet at that time and there was no blogs, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter. I mean, and that's even like, 
being generous and what there wasn't on the internet back then. I mean, so DeviantArt really was ahead of its time. And, and, uh, you there? Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right. It was well ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, it was, it was an aggregator before there were aggregators, but it had a much better community spirit about it than most of the social media, uh, aggregators do now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, for me, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, it was really, really, um, that first ever taste of putting work up and then getting immediate feedback for it. It was addictive, wasn't it? Very much so. Uh, very much like the little orange bar that pops up on the bottom of Instagram now, you know, and like if you put, sometimes I'll upload something and I'll, and then I'll like close it out and I'll forget to check it for half an hour and then you go back and like the, the orange bar is wider and there's more numbers and more icons and everything. And there's something, there's something very, very visceral, um, about that and very, very real in terms of like the satisfaction that that brings, um, whether that's corny or not, I don't know, but. I mean, I totally agree. And it doesn't make me feel good, but it doesn't make me feel good that that sometimes does make me feel good. Right. Right. And also, also, they they cap the likes out at eighty. Like you'll never see a higher number than that. On where? You know, it, it says like the amount of like likes that your Instagram post got. Oh behind. right, yeah, that yeah, num- yeah. That number is capped at eighty. Right, right. I'll show you a higher number than that. Yeah, and then you got to go kind of go through individually, and if you want to, if you if you care at all, who liked something, or you want to see more specifically. But um, yeah, I mean, so again, deviant art for those of us who used it really early on. I mean, this was that back then. And then being in high school and being so young, it was just like this really, really incredible thing, you know, of someone else out there who you didn't know seeing your work. And, and we all got to kind of know each other and, you know, collaborate just for the hell of it. And there was no jadedness, no like cynicism yet. It was very much just like, I'm going to give and give and give to this thing because it makes me feel like I'm a part of something. Bottom line. Totally agree, man. They were they were halcyon days in retrospect. Yeah. Um, so while you were doing uh, deviant art, you started something uh, called Depthcore, and mm-hmm. uh, so definitely want to talk about that. So maybe just tell me about what was the sort of impetus beside behind starting your own. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what you call it—a collective, basically, but. Um, something where there's a lot of members and everybody contributes basically artwork to a different theme all the time. Um, what was the driving force behind that for you? And just where's, where did it start and where is it at now? Well, how, did, how it started. So as, as we were just discussing, DeviantArt was like a pretty tight-knit community and you could see what was going on like across a wide variety of different styles in the digital art medium. You, you could track it all with, with relative ease. And there were a couple of um, existing, they were called art groups back then. No one had thought of a word as pretentious as collective to apply to this yet. But there were a couple back then called uh, Rasta and Breed. They were like the artists who were in there were doing the work that I thought was the best work that was being done on art at the time. Mm. So... I, I wanted to I wanted to, to be a, a part of a, a part of those two groups and so I you know applied and said you know let me in let me in and they weren't <laughs> they weren't having it and so I was like well fuck you I'll make my own then and so I did I um, I was talking with a deviant mate of mine back then who was who was meant to help me get the site launched and he was going to build out the site while I got onto sort of the other like digital abstracts were, uh, were just sort of emerging as a um, as a style. 
Uh, so I got on to the other guys who were doing that sort of stuff. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to start an art collective and an art group, and we're going to just do the abstract stuff, man. It's going to be great. And so we got like 12, 13 guys on and did our first chapter. Anyway, the guy I was going to do it with bailed on me, but Kevin Stacy, who was one of the artists, said, man, I build websites. I build your website and built the very first uh, depth core site in like a day and a half or something like that and got the first <laughs> chapter with rollover buttons and the whole the whole thing. Were there some iframes in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <iframes. laughs> yeah, so uh, what was the application process, if you will, for those other groups that you felt sort of a response to, like the work had to be a certain level or do you just have to know people or what was kind of the like the mood no, of that? You- I can't remember if they had the form or if you just emailed them or whatever, but you showed them your staff and basically they either voted on it or the head guy said yes or no. And either way, I got no's. <laughs> I wasn't having it. Yeah. I was like, and I really like this shit. I, I really want to, I'll, I'll just make my own whatever. Right. Yeah, man. And, I mean, I say, I totally understand. And that's been, that. honestly, I didn't expect this, but the theme I feel like of this whole podcast and all the episodes I've done so far has been... Um, just simply really at the end of the day about people creating their own thing and then having it open doors that they just really never anticipated. And whatever the motivation for creating that is a separate story, but just generally making their own projects with nothing in it for them. And then just, I mean, so, I mean, and that's what you did. And so through that, you've met, I mean, so many other artists and designers. So so many wonderful friends. Uh, Um, and I mean, that's been one of the great things about moving to New York as well as the, the opportunity I've had to meet so many depth core guys who are now, you know, close friends of mine. It, it's sort of like the, the opposite of our story, Chuck. The opposite <laughs> of the internet stays internet. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll meet one of these days. I'm sure of it. I know we will and we'll have a good time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's wild. And I think that's such a cool thing. And so you're still doing depth core today, correct? Yeah. So that's it's, how it's long now? 12 years? 11 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 12 years in um, May or June, I think. It's a long June time for an internet thing at all to exist. I mean, so congratulations <laughs> just yeah, on having man. kept it going that long. That's, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, it's, it's harder these days. Like, you know, when, when we first started doing digital art, when we first started Depth Course so long ago, everyone, everyone was a kid. Everyone's just doing it for, for the lols, you know? having a good time and the standard of work, you could get out a, a world-class piece in a few days because the standard just wasn't that high. The demand, it, it just wasn't as demanding to to be a part of or to produce work for a collective like Depthcore. Mm, sure. And now so many of the guys, I mean, like all of our members, a lot of them have stayed on. You know, we've got a, a bunch of 10 members, eight members, whatever. And everyone's, you know, doing it professionally and it's harder and harder to make personal work and, Especially the kind of work that we've always looked for in depth core is pretty high end stuff, you know. Right, uh, right. And it's the kind of work you need to put a lot of time that people who are working full time creative jobs don't necessarily regularly have. So that's that's the main challenge for us at depth core at the moment is we we all still really tight. We talk a lot. The family's still there. It's, it's just finding a way to create projects that are doable and valuable at the same time. Mm. So the thing we've been doing lately is instead of full-blown chapters with the pieces that you need to put a week into, we've been doing these little labs where basically it's just like just little riffs on on, on things, come up with a little theme, just put whatever you want into it and just come up with like little, little quick experiments like we did when we first got started just to have fun with it. And we've had a really good reception from the guys on that. We've put out a couple of the labs 
the pieces are, look, in my opinion, they're still great. They're still almost, you know, chapter quality stuff and we're being able to pump them out every couple of months like we used to, which is cool. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is for Deathcore to survive, we're going to have to get the chapters manifesting in the real world in a more interesting way to provide, uh, you know, value to the guys for the time they're going to be putting into the work. It's not enough to just have a little exhibition online anymore and expect guys you know, at the top of the illustration game to, to put that much time into it. It's just not a realistic expectation anymore. Right. And when you first started, a lot of this was people's opportunity to get their work out there. And, and they weren't being asked to create something for free in like a, hey, I'll pay you exposure for your work um, yeah. because you weren't selling anything. You were just putting it online and basically like an online gallery for people to show their work off. And so it was just simply an outlet. And whether they wanted to participate or not was up to them, but there was nothing in it for you, monetary, you know, like there's no monetary value in it for you, like you're selling something. And so, I mean, yeah, again, you're getting people who are at the cusp of like trying to get their work out there. And again, at a time before it was very easy to get your work out there, out there through, you know, Twitter or what have you. And now, yeah, things have, have really changed. And I feel like people feel like outlets exist all over the place. So, um, certainly understand like that being a challenge and you know the motivation or what, whatever it may be um but what, what's your what i'm curious is what's your um thing now if somebody wanted to I mean, i'm sure you get emails all the time like hey i want to join look at my website i'm awesome yeah, i mean so you're maybe in that position that you sort of were on the other side of from years ago maybe people want in and they i mean so do i mean who who gets in or who gets to be a part of this you know this thing it's, it's different than it used to be. Um, I mean, we, we still get a, a few applications. We used to get a lot more. And the way I used to look at it was that I, I'd be looking for someone who could add an aesthetic that we didn't already have or just like always way, just way better than we are. Um, so it, it was very much from an artistic point of view, like trying, trying to broaden our, our cultural aesthetic, so to speak, um, and, and be able to create work in different ways. Uh, and different styles. Whereas now, it's almost more important that uh, like who you are and how, how you interact with other people and the amount of time and effort and enthusiasm you'll be able to bring to the collective is, is just as valuable as the quality of the artwork you can bring, you know? Sure. We're looking for people who are going to be high character people, who are going to be involved, who are going to be motivated and, you know, help to... The problem with an art collective is it can stagnate and it can stagnate quickly and that's really that's really toxic. Um, so bringing new people and you need to make sure these people are coming in, they're going to assimilate into your existing culture but also bring a new enthusiasm and a new sense of purpose to what you're doing. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, you basically need to come, come recommended basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes uh, sense. Makes- um, okay, so let's uh, kind of fast forward a little bit, and eventually, you know, again, I just want to be able to pack a lot in, and we've already gone over a lot, but um, kind of speeding up a little bit more today. So, what you moved to New York when it was about four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think we've kind of touched on, you know, sort. Of, I mean, I, it sounds, you know, I'm sure there was a transition period and everything for you personally, but it sounds like ultimately um, it was a, a move because it was just time, and it was you needed to be around, kind of. New York. I mean, it was that really, I mean, right. I think I remember talking to you when you were going to move and it was just like, I got to be where the action is and where things are happening. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the impetus for coming. Um, I mean, I, that, yeah, that's why I came out. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to be out here for sort of, um, six months to a year maybe. But, uh, you know, I met Ting and 
decided to make New York my home so I could be with her and you know, I was having a great time here as well. Yeah. Um, so w- uh, when was it exactly that you kind of started um, doing your, you know, what it is that you're doing now on a you know, client basis and doing work, um, you know, really full time? And I know you were doing it before, um, but it seems like it kind of took off more and, and became, um, you know, and again, we all go through lulls and everything, but it really seemed like things sort of ramped up for you when you came out to New York. Um, and so yes. is that, I mean, would you, would you say that definitely was the case? I absolutely. But I think that actually had more to do with, um, timing than it did with location. Okay. If I stayed in Australia, I think the same thing would have happened. It was, in my opinion, it was a, a case of my, like, skill and style evolving to a place where it was more commercially viable. And also, I mean, from my observation, advertising usually latches on to work that I've done a couple years earlier. Mm-hmm. So it, it's looking to sort of like go back to a style that that's sort of like become a little bit more acceptable in, in the, the mainstream eye, I guess. Yeah. So it was just like, by the time I came to New York, like that, that abstract stuff with the photos that I was doing forever was palatable in uh, the commercial realm. And, you know, I'd, I'd also sort of like evolved and upped my skill level enough to be able to take on a more versatile range of work. So it was more a timing thing than just that I was here. Like being here certainly didn't hurt, but that, that was just the, the, right, the right time. Sure. Uh, all so what, uh, you know, do you have like any sort of uh, estimation of what your, you know, time spent on these personal projects and collaborations that we'll talk about and everything is relative to, um, client stuff? Do you just kind of take client things as they come and not hunt for them in the meantime? I mean, what's, what's sort of like the rhythm of that for you? I, I, I should do a better job hunting for client work to tell you the truth, but I don't do much. I kind of just wait for what comes in and keep myself busy with my own projects. I mean, you know, as, as you know, I always have some sort of side project going on, which is what I tend to occupy myself with when the, there isn't client work. But I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of creative people probably could hunt harder than they do. Right. Yeah. Be more about it yeah and then you know some people resort to having a rep um, not a manager um you know you and i both you know kind of work with someone who when the client stuff comes in we then you know bring them on board and and they sort of help manage and you know the business side of things and everything um but that's they're not like constantly flooding us with work and a lot of people are signed up with someone who basically will be giving them work a lot and they've earned the spot of being there. And it, I, for me, it's just kind of, you know, whatever is best for your situation is what you should do. Um, and so, That's, you know, your situation, like you just said, is similar to mine and similar to a lot of other artists. They sort of work on their own stuff and then some big client project comes their way over an email or they get a phone call. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, crazy busy with some client for the next month or whatever. Um, and then maybe you're not doing anything at all for clients for an entire month and you're sitting there wondering, okay, time to do something else to pass the time and make money and enjoy my, you know, I, I shouldn't say pass the time. That makes it sound very bad, but I mean, you know, to spend your no, time on doing. No, when you have a freelance career where you buy yourself, passing the time is important because it's like a synonym for not going insane. Right. Yeah. Staying productive maybe is the better word than passing time as if you're trying to get through it. <laughs> like a tail bid. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's, let, let oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, 
Um, let's let's talk about some of the uh, really more, uh, more recent uh, projects that you've uh, been doing um, because I know you've got a lot of stuff going on, you know, right now, um, mm. you know, very much current, very much today. Um, and I want to start before we get to the bigger one. I'll start with some of the collaborations that you've been doing. Um, I know you've been uh, working on either. I'm not sure if it's done yet or what, but uh, Jeff Staple, uh, correct? Yeah, I did. I did a piece for um, Staples Holiday Collection. Yeah, um, and then uh, Trash Hand as well. And so, just kind of two pretty recent collaborations with people who do things generally that are very different than what you do. And yeah. uh, just you know, how do you enjoy uh, you know working on on things like that where you're kind of pairing up with someone who is generally doing something very very different than you? Yeah, man, it's the best. Uh, it's it's just it's refreshing, you know. In in like Jeff, Jeff is a really interesting guy. Uh, I've been, I've enjoyed my conversations with him. I've done a couple little things with him that are coming out later on this year. Uh, and working with the streetwear school and his sort of iconic pigeon brand. That that was, uh, yeah, it was a fun, fun couple of pieces. It was a really interesting period of discourse with him as well. Uh, he's got a lot of fingers and a lot of eyes, and he's sort of very motivational to me in terms of like how entrepreneurial and go getter you can be right. about. And when you're really passionate about the products that you're making, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trash thing, man, I'm stoked on that. Um, that was just a matter of I liked his photographs, and I just hit him up on, on Twitter one day. I was like, "Hey, man, I really like your stuff. Let's um, let's let's chat." I just sent him an email, like you know. He said, "Yeah, sure, email me, you know, whatever." Um, and I was like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to make some pieces together. And I think, I think he was a little, uh, like hesitant at the beginning. He's like, I, I don't know what this could look like, man. Like, can you explain it to me? I, was, I sort of explained it anyway. He sent over a few photos and I started sending some stuff back and he's pretty into it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've got, um, I'm really stoked to, to properly launch it, but we're going to be doing, um, I think we've got like seven or eight pieces done already. So it'll be like little mini series of works that we're releasing together featuring his photography and whatever illustration crap I dump in there. So for anybody who doesn't know, do you want to, I mean, I, I could explain, but I, I mean, you're the, <laughs> you just did this collaboration with him. So um, we keep referring to sure. Trash Hand. So I think a lot of people may not know who he is or maybe if they do still whatever, just a refresher. But um, so he's a photographer out of Chicago, but yeah. Uh, yeah, a uh, Chicago-based photographer does a lot of like beautiful cityscape and landscape photography. Uh, he's basically the lookbook king of the world at the moment as well. It seems like every brand, every like major streetwear brand is getting him to shoot their, their lookbooks. And he just seems like a bloody lovely guy as well. Um, anyway, so he, he does these wonderful um, landscape photos, like I mentioned, and shots inside interesting like urban settings that I thought would be a really cool, um, I don't know, environment, stage, theater, whatever you want to say for, for me to, to throw some sort of abstract vibes into. I wanted to present, I mean, I, I sort of want to like, I've only released one piece from the collaboration so far. I'm going to release like a whole written thing about what it was all about, but essentially it, it, it's work that shows geometric shapes and entities doing a really bad job of trying to fit into these really gorgeous like man-made and natural landscapes um as a sort of pretentious commentary on assimilation and simulacra (laughs) as it pertains to i don't know 
big and words, many, many technical words. And what was it? <laughs> and what was your inspiration for the project? And what tools did you use for it? <laughs> what tools? I'm just joking. You don't have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, he's a really, really wonderful photographer. Uh, absolutely beautiful work. Um, you should certainly follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a uh, site. Is it just trash? <clears throat> just trashhand.com. Yeah, trashhand.com, and that's just his handle on Instagram as well. Oh, and then he posts a lot of his stuff. Actually, his Tumblr is wonderful. Just blog.trashhand.com. His Tumblr is great because he posts pretty high-res, you know, shots of his work, and it's really, really great work, and so it's really awesome to see it, you know, so so big and vivid, and um, yeah, he's he's great. Absolutely. Um, and oddly enough, uh, him and I haven't met, and I feel like we know a lot of the same people. So uh, we probably are never more than twenty minutes away from each other here in Chicago. So I'm, I have a I have a feeling that at some point we'll be chatting, and then I'd uh, get him on here at some point. So, um, hey, all right. So let's talk about facets, man. Yeah. Um, cool. You know, I don't want to set this up too much because I feel like you. I mean, just basically in a nutshell, though, you did. Um, a piece of, uh, you know, a piece of work every single day for a year. Um, so you did 365 pieces and you'd post it, um, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. And the styles kind of varied from, from, you know, time to time, but really sort of kind of stayed in this sort of, uh, um, triangular sort of geometric, uh, um, subject matter, uh, vein, but sometimes they kind of went out of that and you did other things, but, I mean, so tell me about that. What, when did you get the idea to do that and how did you manage to stick with it? And, uh, just how's it, how's it been going? You know, how, how did it come to fruition, uh, in the beginning and what was it like, you know, that at the start before we get into kind of what you're doing right now with it? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I was at a place where I was like just really frustrated with all the personal work I was doing. I was trying to get into sort of my old style of like, uh, you know, photographic based illustration that takes a lot of time to like set up and I, I just wasn't getting anywhere with it. You know, I wasn't making anything fresh. I wasn't going any new places with it. I was just like running in circles basically. Mm-hmm. So one day I was like, you know what? I just, I, w- I want to try some, just something like simple. What am I going to do? I looked over and I saw a cushion that's on our couch that has this really cool, like just geometric pattern. on it. I was like, all right, I'm going to do like some 3d that shit. And so I did I did that very first piece that was just sort of like some nested geometric shapes in each other with some glass textures and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, done, done. <laughs> and then I did it again the next day, uh, you know, another sort of similar style of thing, like just exploring more what I could do with these simple shapes, you know, sort of in the interplay with them and each other with basic sort of 3D lighting and textures and whatever. And I was, I was enjoying it. I was really enjoying not beating myself over the head trying to like get them quote-unquote perfect or take them to a new place and just sort of letting them be what they were, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I got, I got like five days or so into it and I'd made a piece every day. And so I says to Ting, I said, you know, look, look, at, look, at this, look at this stuff I've been making. You know, it's, it's pretty cool, right? And she's like, yeah, it's all right. I was like, I think I might do it. <laughs> Leave it to the yeah, significant you know, other to be like, yeah, it's okay. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, Ting, Ting doesn't inflate my ego, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I was like, you know, I think I might do it a couple of weeks, maybe do it for a month and then try and like have a show or just do something, you know. And she's like, well, you know, that's that's one way you could do it. But I think you should do it for like a whole year and then have a show. Um, and, you know, I, 
I'm not going to back away from that. She wants to, you know, throw that out there. Fine, fine. We'll do it here. Whatever. We'll you guys get into a good fight about that and then later on you're like, I'm so sorry. That was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was no fight about it. But I mean, <laughs> like she'll, she'll tell you now, um, as soon as I said that I would do it, I don't think she had any doubt that I would. And um, I didn't either. Like as soon as I said, well, I'm going to do this for a year, I knew I was going to get the whole year done. So did you do it every day? it's just – yeah. Every, yeah, every uh, literally every day you made one or at least posted. Did you ever have to make two in one day and post one one day because you were going to be busy or did you actually make the time and made really, them every day? That's that's impressive. I think uh, I feel like I understand your commitment to saying that you would do such a big task. Um, I also don't like, you know, the idea of like, well, you don't think I could do it? I'll show you and I could do it. Um, but I, yeah. <laughs> knowing myself, I feel like they would probably be like, all right, let me work ahead here and make like three and then when I'm really busy or I'm out of town this week, I'll just have one in my back pocket and I'll be ready to post it up then and, and whatever. So you actually very, stayed very literal, stayed very literal to that. Um, and then your final one came pretty recently. When did you finish up? Do you remember, you know the date? February 4th was okay. the last time. Yeah. How'd that feel? Uh, really, really weird. That <laughs> was a strange day, man. Um, doing a project like that, it's like, it becomes, a, I mean, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of you every day in the same way, you know, you clean your teeth and you have lunch and you, you make your peace. You know, I would have said 200 times, you know, Tina, I would be sitting on the couch, I'm like, oh, shit, I have to make my peace, you know, and get up and sit on the computer for a couple of hours and, and get something out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then not having to do that anymore, it was like not having to shower. Like it's like kind of okay, I guess. I mean, I'd love to not have to shower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it becomes sort of just like this thing, this little time suck, you know, like it takes a part of your day and, um, yeah. but sometimes you enjoy it. I mean, sometimes the shower is great because you have time and you can just kind of enjoy it for a minute. Other times you're in a rush, but you can't leave the house without it. And, you know, same thing with creating. But <clears throat> at that point, that's it. I mean, after a year, it's more than a, it's more than a habit at that point. I mean, if you really do something every yeah. single day for a year, it's, I mean, I guess a habit is one word for it, but again, like you said, it just kind of becomes a part of you. It sort of ingrains itself uh, into your routine and into just like, you know, like I'm sure you just couldn't imagine getting to the end of the day and forgetting to have done one because that blemish on the calendar would have just probably driven you nuts. Um, (laughs) So it's like that old saying, you know, you you are what you repeatedly do. Yeah, Um, absolutely. That's that's something I I believe in. And then all of a sudden that wasn't something that I did anymore. Mm -hmm. It was a weird feeling. Um, there was, you know, I, I got it out every day. There was one day where I wasn't going to, I was, I was on a trip with Ting and, and a couple of our friends and it had been a glorious sort of day, plenty of drinking and board games and everything like that. And I was sitting by the fire in an armchair with a bourbon. I was like, I'm going to bed. And Ting's like, oh, you haven't made your peace. I was like, yeah, I'll make it in the morning. She goes, Seriously? <laughs> You're 200 something days into this and now you're going to blow it off. I was like, ah, I don't care. I don't in the morning. She's like, you, you should, you should do that now. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, fine, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, I, I got up and did it. I admit that would drive just, me nuts. Yeah, but now in the morning, I was like, thank you, thank you for making me do that. She was like, you were so grumpy. I'm like, no, thank you, thank you. Glad <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't didn't end up having that X on the calendar. Yeah. You know? yeah. So so um, I feel like you were. It was funny. I mean, for me, uh, at least like my, from my vantage point, you had been posting these every day and it almost seemed like you started getting, I don't know if there was one thing that happened or it got posted in one spot, but it seemed like at one point recently 
after you were done, you started getting even more attention for this project because it was sort of like suddenly as a whole, someone could go look through all of them and see this entire collection of stuff. And I think that sort of generated even a renewed interest. Um, And then you kind of started reposting some some of them on Instagram and it seemed like there was a big rush all of a sudden, uh, you know, sort of, like I said, you know, renewed interest from a lot of people and more followers and more just attention on it and all that kind of stuff in general. Um, what, I mean, did you even anticipate that? Cause I think once you finish an entire project, suddenly it's a, the sum of its parts, you know, it's like all those individual things are great, but when you get to look at the whole thing, it creates this whole new feeling. Well, it, it's definitely that. I think it's definitely now that it actually is a 365 day collection of work it has like a bit of gravitas behind it that it's not just something that may or may not end up being a a realized project. It is a realized project, but at the same time, my audience grew fairly specifically because of, um, a couple of people taking an interest in it and helping me to promote it. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually that's, it's kind of something that that almost bears, bears interest because I've, I've, it's been an interesting revelation for me. Insofar as I've been, you know, part of the digital art scene, you know, same as you from from the get go, and I'd say I'm more digital than you are, uh, being that you have traditional skills and a traditional background, and I'm just I'm stuck with my computer, you know. And watching digital art grow and like in places try to become a part of a fine art movement and sort of struggle in a way that street art hasn't, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, digital art, in my opinion, like on the whole has not really been sort of like looked upon as fine art. There's still definitely kind of a stigma about it, you know? Absolutely. No question. Um, and where my art's really caught on lately is with the tech community. There's a huge community of, of um, YouTube users and, and people who are really interested in, you know, developing mobile technology and computing as a, as a general thing. And a couple of the, the big personalities in that, uh, MKBHD and Unbox Therapy, started using my stuff basically exclusively as the backgrounds for their device. So that, okay. was, that, that was where a lot of that new audience of mine came from is their users who are very like they're – not, they're not necessarily like massive art aficionados, but they're hugely passionate like technologists. Right. And they, they view this – work as, as like a creative extension of that mm-hmm. and it's something that I've just sort of come to embrace a little bit is that my work is techno- technologically based I make it all very digitally and it sort of makes sense that in a lot of ways it's always going to be primarily appreciated digitally which is like kind of wonderful and also hard to come to terms with on the same level because you know all artists want to feel like they belong in a gallery a bit you know right Absolutely. And I think, I think, uh, you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think there's a, and for whatever reason, um, there's just not been a, a full embrace of, of stuff that's made on a generally mostly on a computer. Um, I think if anything's kind of crossed that line into fine art world and into galleries, it stayed with, uh, photography, you know, digital photography is very accepted. Um, but digital art stuff, that's really sort of, um, born and raised on the computer from scratch. Um, whether Mm -hmm. it's 3d or it's just whatever, um, it's still kind of its own separate thing. And there's been some people that really do a good job of sort of, uh, you know, blurring that line. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's definitely been a sort of, um, a sort of fragmented, um, community, I guess there. Uh, and you know, that'll probably blur again over time. Um, but 
you know, because there will still always be, and especially in fine art galleries, this the fine art, the made by hand, the one off, it can only exist because there's only one of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably really the crux of it all is that it can be so easily replicated and changed. Uh, it sort of doesn't have that same inherent value to it, you know, because it's digital art, you could delete the file and it no longer exists. Um, whereas a painting I exists. Photo, photographs forever have not had that same thing yet you could always reproduce a photograph sure. from a negative so there's but, a, i think there's a romanticism uh, about photography though um you oh, know what so, i mean i think and i think there's nothing romantic about a 18 year old kid photoshop wizard whatever you want to call him you know like sitting making some cool photoshop thing it feels easy it feels whatever and photo uh, photography is so old that i feel like even the new technologies have been um, a little more openly embraced whereas just straight digital art is still sort of struggling a little bit to find a, a voice of, um, you know, uniqueness or whatever. And again, that's not across the board. Um, but it's a very interesting conversation, uh, nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, so, so tell me about facets though, right now. So you're all done with that project. And so you've gained some great new eyes on your work and then they found the rest of your work, which is a really awesome thing. Um, but so your app, um, to talk about that a little bit, what's the, um, what was the thinking behind that and where are you at with that? It's kind of your well, latest thing. That, yeah, it is. Um, and that's kind of an extension of exactly what we were just talking about, embracing the fact that people are enjoying my work primarily on digital devices. And thus, you know, I, I want to offer it to them in a way where they can do that the best. And maybe I can finally make a little bit of money off it as well, you know. Mm -hmm. So what I did, one of my best mates out here, Anthony Tripaldi, is a, a, a developer for uh, Android and web and all sorts of things. He's just a general sort of code genius. And um, I sort of brought the idea to him that, hey, man, maybe it would be cool if I could do my facets project uh, as an app. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we built it out and I resized all 365 of the images for uh, a mobile screen. So I basically had to like stretch the canvases vertically. Okay. It doesn't sound like a huge deal. I mean, they were all square basically to begin with, but that's a lot of work. Dude, just, opening 365 files and then closing them seems like a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do two or three minutes worth of work to like, you know, get the gradients proper, get the noise in there if it needs noising. Sometimes add a shape out altogether and then replace and reshadow and, you know, the whole thing. It's, I would say on average, maybe three minutes a piece. And so that's what, that's a, a thousand minutes. That's a, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And especially work that's not particularly creative, not particularly fun. It's just task work. It's just, it's oh, yeah. just, it's just uh, no, repetitive some, grunt work to get the thing done. Shit for sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, I've got that done. And uh, it's been great. There's been a really cool reception to it. Um, the iOS app it was submitted last week. And uh, I mean, unlike the, the Google Play Store, you submit and then it's just out like two hours later okay. as soon as the store propagates. But Apple has a review, uh, like a manual review. Uh, and our, the, our app's just sort of been sitting in purgatory for the last uh, week or so. But I have it on my phone. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so what will be the ultimate, um, you know, uh, what, what, what is like the takeaway for people who would download it? What's, um, is it is like a, to look through them and you can set them as your wallpaper and kind of like a visual eye candy thing? Um, okay. Yeah. That's, that, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it's a cool way to browse them. You can look through them all individually on the phone in a way. I mean, the phone screens these days are so dense pixel wise that the pieces look great on them. You know, yeah. the resolution is so gorgeous. Yeah. It's not a bad way to browse the collection. 
Um, and I've got them separated by month, so you can see each month that I worked on it. I've got it separated by mood, you know, like hazy stuff, warm stuff, cold stuff, clean stuff, and uh, concepts. So, you know, there's the beasts, there's mandalas, there's like the more assembled pieces, there's, yeah, I don't know, there's like 10 or 12 of each of them, like just different ways to sort of browse the collection. But the ultimate takeaway is, yeah, you can then take it and set it as your device wallpaper or lock screen or whatever it is you want to do. Because um, I mean, I feel like that's the way that people would, on a day-to-day basis, see art the most often in the yeah. most places. Absolutely. You know? I think that's a very underestimated thing where we're just, you know, just kind of content to throw a photo on there or whatever. But we do look at our phones so much that why not put, it's, it's almost stupid how simple it is, but why not put a you know, an app out that allows people to have your work very easily accessible right on their desktop, on their, uh, you know, on their front of their phone. And, and then that, you know, I don't know, you never know what kind of, you know, conversation that creates from someone else who might see it or whatever. Um, It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a cool, fun thing. And it sounds like it wasn't too much extra work on top of having done the project already. I mean, maybe a little nitpicky things here and there, but ultimately, uh, yeah, to do something like that's a great way to extend the life of the project and give some more, you know, love to something that you spent so much time on and put so much into. And, and, um, yeah. So when, when can people expect that it's already off for Android, but it's not yet for iPhone soon. IOS, I would think the next couple of days, uh, from, from what Ting's told me, she works with a lot of like the, the apps and that sort of stuff in her job. And it's usually about a week review period. Okay. Gotcha. So too far off now we submitted it on March 26th. So it should be out early, super early April. Gotcha. Cool, oh, man. See, um, and, yeah, and we've got the uh, the book Kickstarter kicking off soon. I'm just waiting on my mate Cody to finish up the video on that. Apparently, a Kickstarter won't succeed without a video. Did you know that? I did not know that, but uh, it makes sense, though. I feel like people want to know as much as they can before they give money to something. And it makes sense that you say, I'd never thought about that, but it, it does make perfect sense. Um, it's sort of yeah. like a, Ugh, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. you know. it's pretty much like that. Um, Cause yeah. you're like, Oh, I've done all this work and I got to make a video for it. Like <laughs> kidding me. Um, the, the book is something I'm really stoked about because as much as I'm embracing the, the technological side of my work and that application, I still would like it to be tangible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, Having your own products to sell based off your work is really great. It's so much nicer to, to, to promote your own work and your own products that you've made and sort of created and produced than it is to sit and wait for emails from clients to come. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me, absolutely. I ate, I ate a handful of almonds a minute ago and I'm choking <laughs> on, a, on a shred of one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, there's no better use of, of time as a creative person than making things constantly, whether it's for someone or it's for yourself or it's just because that's what you do and you don't know anything else. Um, I know, you know, Pat Perry, I had a really interesting conversation with Pat one time when we had lunch, um, together in Grand Rapids a while back. And, and, um, I think it might've been in relation to when he, he did some stuff for, for, uh, depth core, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might've been, uh, him telling me about that. And he was like, yeah, I was taught, you know, this guy, Justin, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, of course. And he's, you know, yeah, he asked me about doing some work for this depth score thing. And he explained it as a chance for us as artists to do some personal work. And he had, he made this great face of like, sort of, you know, uh, puzzlement, you know, he was, he was like, what other type of work is there? Like, <laughs> that's all I do. And it's sometimes he's like, basically sometimes he does client stuff, and it's fun and all, but his life really is meant, you know, like he's more fine artist. Um, and uh, he really loves to do 
quote unquote, what we call personal work, but for him, it's just work. It's just what he does. And I think I'm very jealous of that because a lot of times, yeah. you know, I, you get very caught up in client work or just in this work because there's going to be money at the end of it or work because someone's telling you exactly what you need to get done. And then you don't have to do so much of the thinking behind it and stuff. And so, I mean, you know, it's a tough thing. Like, that's, but that's, it's, <laughs> so, I, I would, I would love to be able to just have Pat's like application to art, like the way that he looks at it like that mm -hmm. and, his, and his skill on art. But that's the thing is he's so ridiculously good that he is able to do just whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I feel like we all are. I mean, what a con conceited thing to say. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so good. But I mean, like, you know, anybody who's a professional working designer, we probably all have the talent and the abilities and the, you know, whether it's the, t the time things in question, but we certainly have the ability to do these personal projects. Like, I mean, you just proved that with facets and what we're talking about with that. Um, yeah. and I just think for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a, there's a cultural thing. Um, but I feel like designers, uh, more so than artists or more so than fine artists get very caught up in client work and the separation of that from personal work. And, and, um, there's all, we're always trying to figure out like how to present those things side by side and, and whatever. And for some people, it just comes more naturally just to do personal work. And every now and then they happen to do client work. And for a lot of other people, we do a lot of client work. And when we, when we have some time, we'll do some personal work as well. And, you know, it's just finding that balance really at the end of the day is what it's all about. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what's the website just so people know, and we're kind of nearing the end here. So just, if you want to really promote anything at all, your website, Twitter, Instagram name, all that kind of stuff, but maybe start with the facets thing. So we can kind of give, you know, people know where to, where to go for that. Yeah, sure. I mean, all of the facets work is up at facets.la. Um, well, I don't know why we used LA. That's just the best one that we can get at the time. It sounds nice though. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. It works. Uh, so all of the, the whole collection of work is up there. You can view it all obviously for free. All the desktop wallpapers are there if you want them. Um, there's a link up the top of that to the Android app and it'll be one to the iOS app as well. So you don't need to get any convoluted things there. That whole facets project will just be at facets.la and all the peripheral stuff to do with that. My folio is just justinmallow.com, and that's my handle on all the other things, the Twitters and the Instagram. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's that's it. Right on. Uh, I don't have any more 20 questions for you, and I don't have any more general questions right now for you. However, before we started this, I, I mentioned on Twitter, Twitter that I was going to be interviewing you, and James White chimed in and... Uh, and uh, brought up, you know, we got to all get on sometime together and, and just get a whole, get a group of people. And I keep saying this and I haven't done one yet, but I, I very much am planning at some point um, some panel um, type episodes or some, you know, multiple guest type things where it's more circled around a theme or a topic or, you know, whatever. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, I know I'll be talking to you again for one of those at some point for sure. Um, and, if I, was, uh, I, I don't know that I'd put James and I on the same. I don't know if I'll put James on in general. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Let me say that because I know he's probably listening at this point. So we'll we'll get you on there. Um, but he doesn't uh, have the attention to make it this far. And don't no, probably not. This is a long one. This is an hour and fifteen, but they go fast, and it doesn't ever feel like that. So um, For sure, not the longest though. I've had I've done some longer ones. So. Um, yeah, he got he got twenty minutes in. There was no mention of RoboCop. He deleted the file. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, probably. We hadn't talked. We well, we were both born in in the eighties, you know. So we've just very more 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 recent things for us to discuss, you know. Um, yeah. We grew up in the nineties more, kind of have more of that in common, I guess. So sorry, James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you making the time to do this. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I will. Um, Sure, I'll talk to you soon and we'll uh, make sure people will check out Facets and keep an eye on all the stuff you're doing with that between the app and certainly the book. And whenever you get the Kickstarter going for that, um, we'll happily promote it on here and try and get some people directed that way and, and everything else. So, Thanks, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. I had, a, I had a really good time doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have my first Australian and first first real good accent on the show. So it feels yeah, like well, I've hit a good <laughs> benchmark. My pleasure to be your token dude <laughs> <laughs> alright man take it easy thanks a lot appreciate it thanks man alright talk to you soon see ya bye